Anxiety warriors, mental health champions, rockers, rollers. Welcome to 40,000 Steps Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Heimerman, and I am not a professional musician, not a licensed therapist, not a certified counselor. No, no, what I am is I'm a guy with 723 days of sobriety, and I'm a guy with the gumption to put his story out there. Now, our guest on this podcast is a professional musician. Max Bergstrom is the frontman of the popular rock band Avenue Army. He's a podcaster. He's a marketing guru. He's a dad. He's an entrepreneur. But as is germane to this show, he is a guy with eight and a half years of sobriety. He is a deep thinker, a critical thinker like myself. So we got into a very terrific conversation about addiction, not just alcoholism and not just substance abuse addiction, but all sorts of addictions and sort of the science and the deep thoughts behind recovery. Looking out the window, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day for a run and a beautiful day for 40,000 Steps Radio. Let's get it. All right, folks, so here's what happens when you catch up with somebody for the first time in like 11 years. It was back in 2010 that I had last seen Max Bergstrom. And, you know, he and I were both very much in the thick of of our uh, <laughs> of our partying, of our, you know, being, you know, walking human dumpster fires. And it's wild to me that I didn't realize that at that time he had sort of, uh, you know, tried and failed and tried and failed to get sober already way back then. You know, we caught up a couple of weeks ago for a brief talk on the phone. And as I got ready for this podcast, I was kind of, you know, trying to, you know, rack my brain as to everything that we talked about. And I remembered, you know, that we talked about how, you know, addiction has so many different faces. And I'd recalled from that conversation that we were talking about how recovery programs are very individualized. And it's funny that, you know, I must have misremembered that on account of the fact that, you know, I brought up, you know, the individualization of programs to Max and how you can't, you know, basically force people into a specific program. And he kind of was taken aback a little bit and he definitely preached the virtues of AA and hard and rightfully so because... For Max, like the only way that he could get and stay sober is AA. So when I brought up the fact that I had a really bad experience with AA, he brought up something that really, it stopped me and got my attention in that he basically conceded that a lot of people have a really bad experience with AA because they don't like being told that if they don't work their program, and this is what was voiced to me, like in me it was very plain terms that I was told that if I didn't work the program exactly to the letter of what I was told, that I would get drunk and die. And you know what? There's a lot of folks who need to hear exactly that and that need to follow those very pointers. Now, my program is different from Max's. 
You all probably know my program that, you know, I love smart recovery. I love fitness, meditation, mindfulness. I neglected to mention this because, you know, Max asked me what my program looks like. But therapy, man, being on the proper medications is a huge part of my program. But for Max, like AA, the big book, following a program to the letter, that 12-step program, is everything to him. And I think that's the beauty of this show is that there's going to be a lot of people listening to this. It might be you who that's exactly what you need to hear. And it's what I heard in treatment at, uh, at Gateway Foundation here in Northern Illinois. So I want to say a few words about a sponsor of our program, Gateway Foundation. If drugs or alcohol are starting to take over your life, it's time to get honest with yourself and get help. These days, many people are at home or out of work, and the temptation to turn to alcohol and drugs to cope with stress and anxiety is stronger than ever before, right? Stop using now before it's too late. Gateway Foundation is here for you and your family with life-saving inpatient as well as virtual programs so you can access the help you need from the privacy of your own home. Don't wait to get help that you or a loved one needs. Most insurance plans are accepted. Call Gateway Foundation now at 877-505-HOPE. That's 877-505-4673 to schedule a free confidential consultation or you can visit gatewayfoundation.org and get the help that you need today. So yeah, at Gateway, they really bang on the AA stuff. They bring in a lot of speakers who tell you basically the moment that you are discharged and you get out, you got to get to a meeting. You got to do 30 meetings in 30 days, 90 meetings in 90 days. And yeah, for a lot of people, that is the only surefire way to stay sober once you get out of the confines of treatment. Now, folks, I hope you don't have to go to treatment. I hope with this show that we can you know, provide a touchstone, some advice, you know, some, some practical knowledge from our experience so that you can get into a program, so you, can, so you can have the bravery to step through that door at AA or Smart Recovery and kind of take control so that you can find your program that gets you sober and, and like really gives you the keys to the car of your life. Because that's what we always circle back to with this show is, yeah, it's, it, it's about stopping the dumpster fire. <laughs> that's step one, right, is control the fire. But we do it so that we can unlock all of the great things about our life. Like even folks who are just remotely sober curious, I always start the conversation with, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> and I don't mean that in like terms of like, how do you live with yourself? But no, how do you sleep at night? Do you sleep all right? Do you wake up feeling refreshed? Do you not wake up several times during the night? Because that is one of the greatest benefits of sobriety is that, you know, you don't have, you know, the chemicals of alcohol running interference. You, you sleep like a wee baby or at least like a teenager and it's, it's glorious. But there are so many benefits to getting clean. And that's where, you know, for me, the mindset shift was getting away from, you know, subtracting alcohol and thinking about all the things I was giving up to realizing all the things I was adding into my life. And that's where, you know, I, I love talking with Max because, you know, I just, I just see such a light in Max that wasn't there when he was in the thick of addiction. So folks, this, you know, this, infra, uh, this, this interview is a little bit jarring. And 
I should also mention that I sort of took inventory of this show because, you know, I didn't want to offend anybody with harsh language and stuff. And you'll notice that now there's the little E, the explicit indicator by the podcast, by each episode, because this show needs to be authentic and it needs to be unfiltered. And Max, you know, he dropped a bunch of F-bombs. You know, we <laughs> there was some cursing because that's real, man. And I'm done telling my guests that they need to keep it clean because I spent so much of my life being inauthentic. Not going to do it anymore. Not going to ask my guests to do it. So if you got kids around, don't let them listen to this. If, you know, if, if, if you're sensitive to harsh language, it's coming. Um, don't let it throw you off, though. In fact, I think <laughs> the realization that I made is there's probably a lot of folks listening to this who are going to like feel like, okay, good, we're all sailors at heart. I'm excited to talk with Max about, man, just some thrilling stuff coming up for him and his band, Avenue Army. They are going to be playing their very first show in 14 months this upcoming weekend. Check them out on Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your favorite bands. They dropped a single called Company Killer recently. They're going to be dropping two more over these next few weeks before their full-length LP comes out. All right, gang. I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. This is me chatting with my very good friend, Max Bergstrom. What's up, man? What's up, my guy? How are you? I am excellent. This is, I mean, this summer will be, what, 11 years since we last, like, interacted live, like, face-to-face, sort of? Yeah, I think that's right. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I looked it up earlier because it was a World Cup year, and I remember us, like, in this absolutely, like, packed to the gills, like, like, violating the fire code like hooligan soccer bar in uh in the cities yeah it was a uh, brit's pub did we go to brit's pub that sounds about right yeah i think we saw the new pornographers at first avenue too yeah i like the new pornographers at home they're they're great live but they're almost too good live where it's like i could have heard i could have heard this at home like they don't really reinvent the wheel live Oh yeah, yeah. You're not. You don't. You don't get like the the big show when you go. No, no. Nico Case. It, you know, she's she's very much. I mean, she's statuesque all the time, but she's very much like a statue on stage. Like she's just gonna do her thing, and she's gonna save the flair for the uh, for the solo tour. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not an Avenue Army show, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, you know, I definitely. Um, I love listening to music anywhere, but you know, when you can go somewhere and you get just an amazing show from, from a band that you already like and listen to, I mean, that's, you know, that really puts the, the icing on the cake for me is, is the whole, the whole show. And I just saw today, you guys are actually playing a show next weekend. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The first one in, in over a year. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you, you actually commented on the post I put up. Yeah. 14 months, like to the day. So you guys did play that Gallagher show last year, right? Right. Did you have any idea what was coming down the pike? Because I think it was like four days later that, that Newsom declared a stay-at-home order. Yeah, you know, it was actually, um, it was really bad. I, You know, we played that show and coincidentally, I 
I so I'll be totally transparent. I was in the bathroom like four times before playing this show because I was having some stomach issues. <laughs> this is a safe place, right? And so, so I played that show, and I was like, "Oh my god, you know, please hold it together on stage." And then on the way home, I started feeling nauseous, and I was like, "Oh man, you know, like I don't want to like." spew in the car i'm driving you know i obviously uh, since i'm sober i'm always the designated driver because it's great you know the other guys in my band get all the drink tickets that i would normally get and they got a a free driver and somebody to make sure they you know get home safely so we left we came home and then i got home and my mom and cassie my uh soon-to-be ex-wife were home and they were like just getting home and they were like do you realize what's gonna happen like we had to go buy all the toilet paper like i mean it was like just the beginning of of this whole pandemonium stuff or maybe even a few and in fact i think this was a few days before that but i got home and then i got sick like violently flu sick and then my mom got violently flu sick cassie got violently like everybody got sick right yeah and then, um, and then that was like the last, my last memory of a show. And that wasn't COVID. That was just like some yeah. bug that was going on. Oh, we, we went through the same thing. We all had influenza B like right at the time that the, the stay at home order mm-hmm. came. And yeah. And so we're at, you know, we're at the urgent care clinic and you've got people like just up in arms freaking out and we're getting the nasal swabs. Like they have us in a hallway doing the nasal swab and, yeah. and he comes back and he's like, I have awesome news. You guys have influenza B. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is, that's, that's terrific. That's like the best case scenario right now. We know exactly yeah. what it is and it isn't that. Right. Totally. Okay. So first off, like how jacked are you for this upcoming weekend then, man? I mean, this is 14 months coming. I'm really excited. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's an all ages show, which we very rarely do all ages shows. And that's, you know, what you want to do because everybody, you know, that you got to, the, if the kids think you're cool, then, and then, you know, you're cool. Like that's all, you know, that's the whole point. If the kids like you, yeah. that's it. So it's an all ages show. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. There's some great other bands, uh, an orange County band. One of the bands on the bill are, I think they're like between 16 and 19. So they're kids and they're just killing it. So we're really looking forward to it. It's been a long time and we released a new a single last month and we've got you know a new album coming out in september so i mean you know couldn't be couldn't be more excited for all that so i'm stoked i love the single thanks are you guys gonna drop any more singles uh between between now and the full lp yeah a couple of them um so next month we're gonna release another new single called bedroom window and um and then we've got another one um hopefully in july that we will release called Worst Damn Listener. Wow. Yeah. You know, guilty as charged. I certainly used to be among the worst damn listeners. Is this autobiographical? Uh, you know, it's, it, it is kind of, it's autobiographical in a way of, uh, you know, like from the position of somebody, it's kind of like being like, you know, I, I don't know. The, the song is, it's, it's a bit vulgar, but it's, it's an accumulation of my, my relationship and, other relationships I've had where I've been accused of just never listening to anything anybody says. And so pretty much like the, the, the chorus of the song is kind of like, you know, if, if there's something else that you want to talk about, you know, you know, I'm always the worst damn listener anyways. So there's no fucking point. That's pretty much like the gist of the, 
of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, I mean, is this memories of being the worst listener or is or is this still ongoing? So I have to I have to think that you're a much more engaged listener now than you were, say, oh, I don't know, nine years ago. You know what, man? I, I really it, it depends on how you look at it, because I don't like I don't know how you view your alcoholism or your addiction, but. And I, and I can't speak to anybody else's experience, but how it works for me is that I, I don't have an alcohol problem. I have a sobriety problem. Mm -hmm. My problems are here in sobriety. That's the problem is I can't stand being sober. So the solution for me was to drink because that meant that I could come out and play. That meant I could talk to girls. That meant I could dance. That meant I was interesting. That meant that I could just oh, like relax for a second be like oh you know what i mean so all of all being the worst damn listener and being an egomaniac and being selfish and self-centered and frightened all the time that's that stuff has never gone away i just work a daily program that allows me to uh you know deal with that and and create i mean i i've come you know have massive gains and i would consider myself recovered you know, there's this idea that you're always recovering and you're never quite there. I mean, you know, as some folks, maybe that's how, how it's happened for some folks. But if you read the big book, it says recover yeah. several times. They use the term recover. You can recover. So I, I would consider myself recovered. However, I go through periods where all of my character defects, fear, selfishness, resentment, anger, um, you know, being frightened all the time. I mean, that stuff creeps back in very, very quickly if I do not work my program every single day. Well, you, you mentioned the big book and you and I have talked about it, that, you know, programs are so incredibly individualized and they're so tailored on a case by case basis. And frankly, that's the only way that they work. Like if you try hammering that circular peg into the square hole, like if you, if you stuff everybody into a church or stuff everybody into an AA meeting or tell somebody, look, you need to do what Heimerman did. You need to become a marathoner and then you'll get physically fit and you'll be recovered. Doesn't, you know, it's, it's a case by case basis. So Tell me about you know, your program. I definitely want to get into the nitty gritty of what brought you to it. But since we're there, like what, what does your program look like? Uh, my program is very transparent. I mean, it's, it's all laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's why, you know, I, I mean, I'll start, I'll start, I'll address your first point. So, and again, this is based off of my experience. So, you know, I don't want to offend anybody listening to this or, pretend that I'm an authority on alcoholism and how other people should run their life. But here's the deal. I have seen a lot of men and women that had that same mentality, like, you know, nope, like I'm not going to do this. It's just not for me, you know, and I don't like this aspect of it or that's that aspect of it or the God aspect of it. Um, and they just weren't willing to open their minds to it. And they died of alcoholism. Um, I, so, where I agree with you that, yes, it's individualistic. I believe that there are different, there's a, I think there's acute alcoholics and addicts, and I think there's chronic alcoholics and addicts. I've known alcoholics and addicts that came to a point in their life where they were like, you know, they were drinking heavily or they were doing drugs, but something happened where they had enough of their own willpower to stop or moderate. So, for example, I've got a good buddy. He drank 
hardcore. Like this guy was really into it, probably, you know, and uh, bad, bad drinker in trouble with the law, you know, falling down flights of stairs, losing friendships, all that, all that good fun stuff that comes with it. Right. And then one day, you know, he went home and he like screamed at his wife and that just that alone was enough for him to be like, man, this is out of control. I got to stop. And he just decided on his own power to stop. Isn't that insane to you? Like, like I, you know, I mentioned I'm going to be having Catra Corbett on, a, on an upcoming episode. She was a hardcore meth addict and she got arrested one night for dealing and then just decided, you know what? I'm scared straight. Yeah. And to me, it's like that. And to me, it's like, that doesn't make any damn sense. I, I needed something more than just white knuckling it and willpower. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that's why it's funny. Like, people say, well, what's your drug of choice? I mean, I think that's hilarious. I don't have a drug. My, my drug of no choice was alcohol. I didn't have a choice. And then people say, yeah. oh, you know, just don't drink no matter what. Well, no matter what I drink. You know what I mean? So I guess I guess where I'm going with that is, you know, there's some people that can stop and moderate like acute addicts and alcoholics. And then there's people like me, a chronic alcoholic, where I would sell my child for alcohol at one point. And, I, and I'm not even kidding. Like, that's the path that I was going down. And there was nobody that could pull me out of that. And I couldn't pull myself out of it. So, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have had a set of circumstances bring me to a point where all of that resistance that we're talking about, ah, you know, fitting a square peg into a round hole. Dude, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous for two years before I sobered up. First time I went, I was like, this is a fucking cult. You guys are all insane. You guys talking about God? I hate that shit. I'm not going to talk about God. I, I fucking hate God. This is not for me. And I had, I tried everything. I tried therapy. I tried, you know, SSRIs. I went to doctors. I went to treatment programs. And I think rehab programs are great to separate people from their current environment and then educate them on why they're how the addiction works on their brains. But sure. unfortunately, in my experience and in the experience that I've had with a lot of people that I know, uh, they go, you go there and you get educated on, on how your brain works and then you leave and you go back to the liquor store because it's, it's, it, it periodically separates you. And some people need that. You ha you need that. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're, if you can't stay sober, you know, there's going to be no progress, period. So, you know, like for, for people that I, when people are like, I don't know what to do. I can't stay sober. You know, I'll be like, well, you know, go punch a police officer. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll go in jail and then you'll stay sober long enough yeah. for, uh, at least we can have a conversation then, you know what I mean? But like, so, you know, there's, there's rehab. And so I tried rehab. I did outpatient. I did inpatient. So, I mean, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things and it wasn't until I had, you know, the, the experience I had in December of 2012, where I finally called somebody and I said, okay, I'm done. I am not running the show. I am going to do what this book says and I'm going to do what this man tells me to do. And I, that's it. Like I'm, I'm done. And that was the deal that I made with, with, with whatever it was at that time, God, the universe, the cheat, whatever you want to call it. I just knew it wasn't me. And I was like, that's it. I, I, that's it. All right. So th this is December of 2012, right? Mm -hmm. All right, man. Well, you know, whether it be a 12 step program or whether it be rehab, you know, those are definitely avenues that are necessary for a lot of folks. 
I think one of the big things is sort of getting the diagnostic of, okay, where are you at with your addiction? What's your path to recovery? And I've got a partner in DUI and behavioral health counseling centers who can help you out with that with one phone call. Folks, if you or someone you love might have an issue with drinking, drugs, mental illness, or anger management, it's time to get in touch with my friends at DUI and behavioral health counseling centers here in Northern Illinois. It's time to set up an assessment. You've got nothing to lose. Depending on your situation, the assessment could be free. If you're loaded, it's going to run you 80 bucks. That's the max. If you're a veteran and NIU student or unemployed, you're going to get a break. My friend Ron Parch and his team use their 25 years of experience to build an individualized treatment plan that's confidential and effective. They approach people in distress with respect, and I cannot stress enough how important that is to feel respected when you're going through something. DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers has offices in Sycamore, Plano, and Crystal Lake. Check out DUISycamore.com or call 815-895-9000 and set up an evaluation today. Write this down, folks. Call 815-895-9000, visit DUISycamore.com, or you can email DUIBHS at gmail.com. All right, man. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, you, you said that you had, you had tried AA for a couple of years before and, and you were still using while you're in AA. Was it leading up to that point or was it at that point over the next couple of years? No, I mean, like, I, you know, the first time I ever went to an AA meeting was in 2008. Okay. I didn't get sober okay. until 2012. So I, I wasn't like, you know, I, I would, I would, I knew that I had a problem. Right. You know, I knew right. I was an alcoholic. And so I would, I would, you know, something would happen and I'd be like, okay, you know, like, you know how you start to get looks from people, from people that care about you. And then they start, well, I just want to talk to you about your, your drinking. You know, you start to get people that kind of want to, even then, if I, even maybe even your drug dealer is wanting to have talks with you like you know yeah. i remember i remember that i remember sitting down with a buddy who was like you know he's like chopping up a line of some vicodin or something like that and he's like you know we're concerned about you max we think you know he's like he's going to blast the line of a, of, of an opiate and he's like we think that you have a, a alcohol and drug problem you know so I mean, uh, but you know, in and out of treatment. I mean, I knew I had a problem. I tried to get sober. I would, I would get like a few months at a time. Yeah, I yeah. would get two months here, and then I'd relapse, and then four months there, and then I'd relapse, and then eight months. I think the longest I stayed sober was seven or eight months before relapsing. But this was all just trying to do it on my own accord, or um, you know, trying to figure it out myself. But uh, that's the thing is, you know, you, you can't read the label from inside the jar. You know, you can't solve a problem with the problem. Yeah, these are AA-isms, right? This, this is stuff that you pick up. Some of these have got to be Max-isms, though. Some of them are. Some of them are, yeah. I mean, some of them are AA-isms, but... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they can't read the pro- you can't read the label from inside the jar. I mean, that that that, that's, that could be in, in any ism. That's just saying, like, hey, you're trying to fix a problem with your own problem. You know what I mean? Like... It just, it doesn't really work. But yes, I, trust me, man, I've picked up some AA-isms. But look, I won't drop like easy does it or one one thing at a time. You know, I, I won't drop any of those for you. I'll, I'll stay away from those. Ones. But no, there, it, look, this isn't a matter of, and I, and I, I can identify sometimes with the fact that I might come across as being anti-AA, which I did have a very bad experience with a local chapter here. However, I love the big book 
And I really enjoy smart recovery meetings. I see the immense value in AA and, and I'm, I'm super pumped that it mm-hmm. is there because, because it's there, you're here and you and I are talking mm-hmm. That's the greatest fucking outcome. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, and I'm, you know, and I'm not anti any, any recovery program either. Like, you know, but I am a big book thumper. <laughs> and I am like, if that's why, like somebody's like, well, I don't know how to get sober. I'm like, look, read your fucking book. <laughs> look, I got you. The a instructions book. are in there. Well, right, the instructions are in there. It's yeah. like if if you don't, you know, you, you but you have to do the work. And I think that's the truth with any program. You actually have to do it, and it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And people are maybe angry with you, and some people might not understand, and your mm-hmm. feelings might get hurt. You know what I'm saying? But you know that the. the that's just the, the crux of the issue. Well, and I, and I know that you mentioned, see, I, I like, I like to take from here and there. Like I like, I like to sort of Frankenstein my, my view of the world. Yeah, um, for sure. So I love the You're big a critical book. thinker. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To a fault, man. Yeah, no, I know that. And, and look, I, you know, I think everybody should, everybody should, you shouldn't just buy into something just on, on blind faith all the time. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? I just like the, the reason why AA worked for me, it, who knows, it might've been something else at some point, but there was a guy that I had met in treatment that came to do a meeting when I was in Fairview Southdale in Minneapolis. And his name was Bob and he was in a band and he was the only guy under 50 named Bob. And he was even younger than me. And he became, you know, he, he was my sponsor at first. And then he became a good friend. He was the best man at my wedding as well. But this guy, uh, this guy saved my life. This guy was like, look, if you want to get sober, this is what you have to do. I'm going to take you through this exactly how I was taken through it. And all, all I had did for once in my life, I didn't do what I wanted to do because I, I, you know, that self, the ego was crushed out of me. And I was like, okay, I will do whatever you say. I will do what this book tells me to do. And ever since then, I have not craved alcohol once. It is the the problem has just been wow. removed. I didn't realize that because that's that's what's promised you. That's what's promised. Now I'm still I can still be a selfish, egomaniacal, frightened asshole who <laughs> who, who causes problems in other people's lives because I'm so goddamn self centered. But that is the stuff that you know, ten, eleven, and twelve. You work on that stuff daily. So what this is about, you know, growing and understanding and effectiveness, allowing, you know, being more kind, compassionate, understanding where other people are coming from, letting go of the outcome of, you know, I, me, mine, I need this and me and this is about me. You know, it's really about it's really about letting go of that and saying, "Okay, God, where do you need me? I'm going to do I'm going to follow what what you need. I'm here to serve you, help your kids. And I don't I don't believe God is a a white bearded man floating in the sky. That's yeah. I was just going to ask you about. No, I'm actually a non dualist, man. And that's where that's where I was kind of going before with like Frankensteining things is like, you know, I am a Catholic. Mm hmm. But I definitely a la carte my Catholicism. I love that, man. You you need to put that on a board somewhere. <laughs> a la carte Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. You have to, man. If more people understood you could a la carte stuff, yeah. I think the world would be a better place. Oh, without a doubt, man. It's just you know? it's not that black and white. Nothing is that cut and dry. Nothing. Nothing is black and white. 
you're you're right. Hey, I want I want to make sure this doesn't get away from us here. So that was December of 2012, and I'm really sorry to like pull this bandaid off. But how much did that turning point have to do with losing your dad? Because that was around that time, wasn't it? Yeah, it actually was. The last day I took a drink was the day before, um, the day before his funeral. Um, so I, I, I think it had a, a fair amount to do with it, but I mean, I don't know. I had some low bottoms, brother. Like, you know, I, I, I had two suicide attempts that were failed and one of them was simply, I mean, I tried to hang myself in my garage with a belt and the only reason I was unsuccessful is because I was like literally too drunk to do it. And that resulted in, you know, the cops coming and the paramedics and then being in the psych ward for a period of time. Um, I, you know, they had a, a bed ready for me at Ramsey County detox. They knew me by name down there. I wound up there every few nights for uh, a good while. Um, you know, I mean, uh, several, several different rehabs, band members saying, look, dude, you know, we're, we can't do this. We can't watch you do this to yourself. So, you know, I mean, and that, you know, that's always been a big part of my life losing. I lost a lot of jobs. I lost a lot of friends, lots of embarrassment, you know, just, getting in fights, falling downstairs, breaking stuff in people's house, stealing things. I mean, just, you know, there's a lot of crappy stuff. Uh, you'd think a suicide attempt would wake you up. But the funny thing is, you know, when, when you, when you've got somebody at the psych ward saying, you know, if you keep doing this, you're going to die. And then you, you get discharged and you go right to the liquor store. Like, you know, you've got, <laughs> you got a problem. What I think happened at my Yes, I mean, I miss, I miss my father terribly. I do, and you know, I would give anything for a five, just a five minute conversation with him. And uh, you know, he was a no bullshit kind of guy. So if I would call him and be like, "Dad, like this happened and that happened," I feel like I fucked up. You know, if I did, he'd be like, "Yeah, you did. You fucked up, and you should be scared about it." You know, and like if he was saying that, then it was like, "Oh man, like this is really bad." You know, and so he, yeah. but he always knew what to say to. Uh, you know, to help, even if it wasn't what you wanted to hear. And so, um, what, what had happened is, you know, I was at my, my dad's funeral and my girlfriend at the time, she came to pick me up and, you know, I first, I had to get like, I was like, can I even go, you know, like, because I was, I it was that bad. And they're like, yeah. So she picked me up and brought a suit. I mean, I basically at this point had people just like pampering, like she dressed me for this fucking thing. Cause I was so sick and like, just not there. And, um, and yeah, I had a moment where I was withdrawing at his funeral. And I remember my brain was so gone at the time that I was sitting in the, the cathedral and I remember like, I can't, I don't feel emotional sadness right now because I am so wrapped up in my own problems and my brain is so fucked that I just, I can't even process emotions. And, um, I, you know, I was sitting there and then we had the, the, the get together with family after and I, you know, uh, they would probably never tell you this, but I mean, I was getting looks yeah. from people in my family, which was a a combination of concern and disgust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or pity, oh, concern, yeah. and disgust. You ever somebody look at you and they're like, I love you, but you know, you really, what the fuck? And you know, what's really messed up about this is that you didn't even have the emotional capacity or the cognitive capacity for that, your dad dying and going to his funeral for that to be your turning point. 
Like you weren't even afforded that opportunity because you were so emotionally gone. Well, right. Well, right. But the thing is, is that, see, the funny thing is that it all caught up to me. And I remember I was sitting there and I was actually, I was looking at my cousin, Dan, and he was there and I was trying to eat and I was shaking and sweating. And then my girlfriend at the time, I was like, you know, we got to go. And I, you know, I had this, this moment where I was walking out and I left my, my dad, like left his funeral early because of being so sick. And that like, it all just hit me at once that, um, like I was like face to face with, with my ego at that point. And it was just like crushed. And that was the point where like that whole experience, I was like, that's it. Like I'm done. I'm just done. I, I, I'm, I'm not running the show anymore. I'm done. And I called, I called Bob, um, you know, after that. And this, like, this is a, you know, this is a guy who, um, I mean, this is a, is as selfless of a guy as you could, you could get as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the kind of guy who's like, I mean, he'd do anything, he'd do anything for you. You know what I mean? He'd do anything for you. And he was, um, I saw that what Alcoholics Anonymous was doing for him. And I wanted that. Mm -hmm. I wanted that. I was like, okay, you, you know, he's this guy, he's in a band, he's doing well, he can hold a job down. He doesn't have, uh, you know, he's not trying to hang himself in his garage. He's not, you know, uh, trying to suffocate himself in the car with the garage down after downing a whole bottle of benzos. And you know what I mean? Like, was that your other near suicide attempt? Were those the circumstances with that one? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, I had, I had, I had a, a couple of them. And so, uh, and you know, like the funny thing is like the, the hanging one, I don't even remember it. I mean, that's, that's how, I mean, I was, you know, coming off a days long blackout. I don't even remember it. So yeah, it's, it, it's like, everything is like, like read back to you in court records. Yeah. So you call Bob, you, did you call Bob like right after you left the funeral or what? I had been in contact with Bob prior to this as well, but yes, I called him after the funeral. And this time I was like, okay, man, like, what do I have to do? So I don't ever have to feel like this ever again. Yeah. And he was like, you do what, what I'll, I'll take you through it, how I did it, but you do what I tell you to do for once because alcoholics in our nature is like, I'm going to try to spin this thing my way, baby. Like, you know, I got these character defects. I'm going to give up, you know, can I give up like 30% of my greed? I mean, I don't want to give up a hundred percent of it. Like stop talking. You know, I want wiggle room. That's what I want. So you can't a la carte it then. Certain things you cannot a la carte, brother. <laughs> Certain things you cannot a la carte, you know? You know, I love what you said before, though. This is one of the most powerful things that I heard while I was in treatment, was that when you get out of here, find somebody who has what you want mm-hmm. and and don't let that guy out of your sight. That's your sponsor. Yeah. That's the guy. And that, that worked for you. That's That's a beautiful yeah. thing. It, well, it did. And, and you know what, I'll tell you what, you can a la carte things as long as, as it is in the, the line of the proper will. Sure. You know what I mean? So if I know, like I, I, I when you do work in Alcoholics Anonymous or really with any spiritual program, really like you, you begin to know yourself better and better and better. And so nowadays, like if I'm coming at something with resentment and fear and greed, it doesn't take me too long, so long as I'm in fit spiritual condition, to catch it and be like, okay, wait a second. Like, 
this is not cool. I'm doing this because I want to get laid yeah. or I'm doing this because I'm, I'm lonely or I'm, I treated this person this way. Not because, you know, I didn't scream at Christopher because of this. I screamed at him because I'm angry with my spouse. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm angry with my spouse is because I'm having a shit. You know what I mean? I had a shit day at work. So you, you, you just begin to know yourself and you spot that. And then it's about like cleaning it up right away. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. get that shit clear of that because resentment, that's the number one offender. And I found that to be true. Yeah. Um, you know, you let that stuff fester Dude. and then it's like winding back a spring tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. <laughs> you know, so I got to do things every day to relieve that pressure. Yeah. All right. So you're working on being a grudge holder, too. You, you got a little hang up with that as well. I'm, I'm a pro. Are you kidding me? I got grudges from third grade, boss man. I'm a I'm a prof. I remember when Lisa Halep did not receive my Valentine in kindergarten. All right, like yeah, yeah. I'm a professional grudge holder. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I was I was in a bowling league as a kid, and there was this kid who, you know how when you go bowling. And if you throw a gutter ball, sometimes the ball will hop out of the gutter and hit the 10 pin. Like it, mm -hmm. there was a kid who took that 10 pin and he wrote it down on his score sheet. I have never forgiven Brian Dunton for that. Like that's still see, there. You see it's still on the damn score sheet, man. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, I, I complete, I completely get that. I completely get that. So have you made amends with her from kindergarten? Uh, with Lisa Halep, well, I mean, you know, uh, uh, no, I funny, funny enough, I've I've tried to find her before, um, but under, I, under what intentions though? Ah, uh, not uh, not under AA intentions, brother. I tried to find her for other other character defects that I'm uh, that I'm <laughs> that I'm working on, but um, but yeah, you know what, I. Uh, you do you you do the major house cleaning right, and you, yeah. you go back and you make those amends, and then really moving forward, like I, I love I love talking with like we alcohol. We're the only people that like I'll start a conversation. You'll be like, hey Max, what'd you do yesterday? I'm like, oh, it was great, man. Like, I got up and I went for a run, and then I, I went and I was driving down Highway Five. Uh, wait, never mind. Let me start over. I got up and you know people are like, what? I'm like, I I'm lying. I lied to you. All right, I lied to you. <laughs> let me just real quick. That was a lie. Here's what really happened. You know, like alcoholics are like, oh, yeah, no, you know, no problem. But like regular people are like, what the fuck is that? What, <laughs> what just happened here? You're telling me you lied. First you lied about nothing and now you're telling me you lied about it? <laughs> you know what? Start over. That's a lie. That's a lie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's really like how quickly can I catch it and how quickly can I come and make an amends and, and a proper amends, you know, not like I'm, you know – I'm sorry that, you know, I did that, but you were being a dick. And so, yeah, you know, like a, a proper amends where, you know, what the, how the other person treated me is irrelevant. That makes no difference. It's just about clearing my side of the street and how they receive it. That's, that's on them at that point. They can say, I've had amends. I've made amends where people have said, man, that's great. You know, I'm, I, I was never really that mad at you and you're a great guy. I've had other men's where people say, fuck you. I don't ever want to talk to you again. Yeah. 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 W which at that point with a little bit of practice, it, it has to get easier to just put that aside and just, just chalk it up as a loss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that's, and you know, if I, if I can be kind to people regardless of how they treat me, I mean, I, I think that that would be like, that's like ninja skill. And I've seen people, <laughs> seen people like that. And that like, there's some, some really cool, like I listen to a lot of AA audio and things like that, you know? And so, I mean, you, you, you hear about kind of how other people work their program, but you know, I, there's this guy, his name is Earl Hightower. His name is Earl Hightower. 
And um, he, like, he always says that, you know, the highest compliment I can pay somebody is for them to be kind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think that's, that's so, it's so true. Like there's just not enough kindness. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and it's kindness regardless of how somebody else treats you. You make a decision to be a kind person. I'm going to be a kind man. That's what I bring to the table. If you tell me, Hey, go fuck yourself. I, Hey, thanks so much for, uh, for your input. I appreciate it. Go with God. Yeah. 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 But you know what I mean? But this is all a matter of like trying to harness the ego and get the ego out of the way, which that's what it's about moving a mountain, killing the ego. Yeah. I've seen like in your Instagram feed and stuff that you'll drop in the occasional reference to your recovery. But obviously, by and large, like you've got an album to promote. Mm-hmm. You have a gorgeous daughter who you have a terrific relationship with. Oh, thank you. Back at you, by the way. Times two. Cheers, cheers brother. Yeah. It, I mean, look, look what we did. Look what, look what we somehow came away with. Right. Well, what about, you know, going public with a lot of this stuff? You know, here you are telling all on the podcast, and I know occasionally you will tell all here and there. I, I'm, ac- I'm actually transparent with pretty much anybody. Pretty much anybody, and and even to a fault. Like I've had some people be like, "Hey, dude, you know, you might not want to talk about that, you know, in certain regards." And and in some instances, I see, um, like my my current sponsor is an amazing. He's amazing, man. He's from Philly. He's a no bullshit kind of guy. I love him to death. And one of the reasons I love him is because this man will tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to yeah, hear. Yeah, I do. You know what I'm saying? And he's like from Philly. He's an East Coaster, <laughs> right? He's not gonna he's not gonna mince words. Yeah. But you know, he's reminding me. He's like, look, there's still a, a stigma around alcoholism, so maybe be a little careful. But like by and large, man, I, the reason why I'm so transparent for it is because. I mean, you know, be anonymous, but don't be so anonymous that you can't help somebody. Right, right, right. And I, I'm fine. Like, I'll, I'll talk. I've told like everybody that where I work, like the company I work for, like they they all know my story. They know what I mean. Maybe not like you know the all the like you know what happened in the psych ward and shit like that, but you know they know by and large my story. And I actually was uh, I'm in the the beginnings of starting a project called the Vulnerability Project, where I'm going to be picking um, a different issue that I'm dealing with now or that I dealt with in the past. And I'm going to make short videos about them and create a community around that where people can do the same because really the value of having you, I think everybody needs to have one person in their life where they can tell everything to, Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, every embarrassing thing, because that, I mean, it's such a, a healing thing to be able to do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the the more transparent and vulnerable I can be, Mm -hmm the better. And I've had instances in, you know, in, in work in AA and outside of it, where I shared something that I thought was just disgusting. And like one of the worst things that I've done, and you know, maybe one of the most embarrassing feelings, and you share it with somebody, and then their eyes light up and they're like, Oh my God, I thought I was the only yeah. person that felt Oh like yeah. That. Those are and once you make that connection, right. Then you can help, you can help each other. That's why it's important. That, no, that, that is the coolest thing when, when somebody else says, Holy shit. Yeah. I thought I was on that Island alone, but yeah, I've done that too. Yep. or felt that too. So this vulnerability project, I mean that you could almost make this like the embodiment of that person that anyone could tell anything. Yeah, I mean that's that's really what it. I mean, you know, it's like the, I, I I'm encouraged. The basically here's the thing is is like it's not a ploy to like get people to 
go on social media. I'm going to post these everywhere. I'm going to post them on social media. And I'm not talking about like, you know, I stole something from a store. I mean, I'm going to talk about being molested. I'm going to talk about body shame. I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, having an identity crisis, imposter syndrome, alcoholism. I mean, anything that I struggle with in an attempt that my plea, if you're listening, go find one person and share everything with them, air it all out because it will heal you. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, and then, Hey, if somebody's like, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing that. Okay. Well then you, I'll be that person for you. You know, what's cool about that is I've been, I've been hearing more about the fact that like, if we break down and cry or if we like confess things, if we do this stuff in private, it is not nearly as powerful as it is that if, if when we do it in the presence of somebody else. Yeah. Like it is freaking scientific proof that if you break down and cry alone, it, it helps. But if you do it in the presence of somebody else, it like skyrockets in terms of like what happens in the human brain. Mm-hmm. So it is it is that connection, that yep. emotional connection. Yep. It's everything. And it also it also builds trust. You know, like my my sponsor knows everything about me. So when I call him and I, and I'm like, dude, I got a situation and this is, could be something that's embarrassing as hell, super embarrassing, but I've shared everything about me with him and he has shared everything about him with me. Mm. So I'm comfortable with him. Yeah. Right. And if I say, I need to know what to do when he gives me the advice, I trust that, you know what I'm saying? Like I trust it. Oh yeah. And then, you know what? You start trusting yourself too. And then you start trusting. Exactly. I want to make sure that I kind of double back on this one. You know, we were talking before about, you know, being public and transparent about this stuff. You know, I I found that early in recovery, I was having so many awkward conversations with friends of mine um, because I'd always be like pre-planning for like, hey, just so you know, when we're at this place, guys, feel free to have a drink. I'll be perfectly fine. It's like things would always get really awkward. I'm actually starting to have fun with that though. Like enjoying like my close friends, like making them feel a little bit awkward. Have you ever done that? You ever, you ever toy with your friends a little bit once you got more solid in your sobriety? <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm just a little sadistic like that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, yeah, no. And Hey man, you know, there's, I, there's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever done that, but I do remember going somewhere and somebody would be like, Hey, Hey Max, you know, do you want to drink? And I'd be like, no, actually like, here's what happened. Like I don't drink, you know, and it's like the story and it's like, nobody fucking cares, man. Just be like, no, thanks. It's like, I, I was assuming that I had so much importance in these people's <laughs> lives that I had to give them my story. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and so if somebody's like, Oh, why don't you drink? Then I could be like, Oh, you, you know, like I'm not embarrassed about it. But like, I mean, at yeah. one point, like people were like, well, just tell me you're allergic or something like that. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I, yeah. Like I thought about it for a while and I was like, you know, like, no, I'm just gonna just tell them like, nah, I'm alcoholic. I don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I could never do like the fake drink in the hand because like the way my mind kind of squirrel cages with this is it's like, if I can't be honest about like what I'm doing, like I spent years like hiding what I was yep, doing exactly. and like being inauthentic, hit the nail so. on the head, man, you hit the nail on the head. That's why I don't lie about anything. Now I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not saying I've never told a lie in recovery, but I, I just don't do that. 
there's always you can always fudge just fudge the details a little bit you know to take the spotlight off of me and put it more on somebody else that fucked up like it wasn't my fault you know what i mean but yeah. um and but and the, but honestly though i've seen people take that way too far the other way too like you know a lot of people come to aa and they're like so does this mean that i'm always wrong and that i'm a piece of shit it's like no that's it doesn't mean you're always wrong it just because you're an alcoholic doesn't mean that inherently you're wrong and you're a piece of crap yeah. you know it, it it means that you you know we, we are um i don't know if, if you're like this too but i i can justify anything you know what I mean? Like yep. I can like, well, here's what happened and here's why. And it's because of this, that, and the other thing. And it was, you know, this aligned with that. And it wasn't me. I mean, it, this is why this happened. And I, it's, I had nothing to do with it. I think a lot of racers, myself in, in particular, like marathoners can totally identify with that. Like I'll find a way to justify anything and everything that happened on that run. Why I thought about mm -hmm. quitting, why I backed off, why I ran too fast. Oh yeah. I mean, and these are just trivial, silly mm -hmm. things. So yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's pattern forming and it's a matter of breaking sure. those patterns. A hundred percent. Like there comes a time and that's why the amends process is, is so difficult at first because it's just like running a race you, you know when you started running i'll bet you didn't just decide to run one day and then you ran 26 miles <laughs> not quite yeah exactly you had to build up the, the there muscle. are some freaks who can do that and, and sure. they need to be cloned but you know it's just like building a muscle doing anything else now if mm. i fuck up mm. with something it's i i'm i mean again i'm not perfect but very quickly i will come and be like hey whoa like i was out of line that wasn't cool. I apologize. What can I do to make it up to you? That's incremental growth. Yeah. No, people don't do that. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that. Surprise. Very little people, especially in today's society with this whole like, you know, left versus right, us versus them. I mean, nobody fucking apologizes for anything that they, they, they do. Yeah. You know? And so like I've apologized to like, I've made amends to my boss over like small stuff and the guys, I mean, he's been like, wow, like really? You know, like, I mean... <laughs> It's or, or like, you know, the guys in my band, you know, and they're just like, dude, like I wasn't even thinking about that. But here's the thing is it's not for them. I'm doing it because I know that if I don't keep my side clear, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll justify why this person was a dick and why she deserves to be kicked out of here and why I'm more important than the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's very easy to get wrapped up in there. And that's that's when, you know, I can be stone cold sober and be wanting to blow my head off because. I'm still sick. You know, the alcohol, the, the drinking was just, that was the solution, you know? Yeah. And that's gone now. Right. Right. No, it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> no, you're absolutely. Well, it is interesting. Cause like for me, what really helped out was finding out that you know, the alcoholism was very much a symptom of my mental illness, you know, anxiety, depression. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do to, to stay sober? My program? Um, yeah. Like, you know, I, Look, I'm going to I'm going to shoot you straight. I'm going to tell you that it's been a while since I've been to a meeting of any sort. I really have, you know, a few prongs. I mean, you and I have talked about it. What we're doing right now is probably the very biggest part of my program is the fact that I continue to pump my story out there into the universe, which a feeds my mm -hmm. soul. I'm hearing from people and knowing that it's creating a space for them. But B, there is this feeling of, oh my God, everybody's watching. I can't fuck up. Like I can't, I, and you know, here's where mm -hmm. the ego I think can be kind of helpful. 
because yes, you're right that I probably put way too much value on myself and I probably way overestimate how much people give a shit about me. However, if I happen to be right and somebody saw me screw up and they followed suit, then that's just all the reason to continue to stay on, to stay on the right path. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like they're holding you accountable. That's it. It's the ultimate form of accountability. It's like a reason to be self-accountable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know, I mean, it might be kind of conniving or whatever, but damn it, it works for me. Hey man, that's what counts. It works for you. The other thing, I mean, one of the biggest things for me is fitness, because if I don't exercise, my brain is not healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you can ask Kayla that I will be just a walking, uh, just dumpster fire of a human being and I'll get, I'll put on my shoes. I'll go off a run. I'll come back and I'm a totally different person. It's just, yeah, for me, it's free. It's free medicine, you know, going for a run and yeah, the dopamine, the serotonin, the endorphins. I'm I'm like that with meditation. Yes. Yes. Yep. It's the same. It's the same thing for me. Yeah. That's the other thing is mindfulness and meditation. But yeah, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had a lot of people, you know, asking me about what the biggest thing was that got sobriety to stick for me. And I can actually point to on day 100 when I blasted it out there on social media. And I was like, it, it was just because I, I, we talked about it before. I spent so much time drinking in the shadows and hiding it from Kayla and feeling like a damn ninja with the fact that I could walk into the courthouse five days a week, get wanded by the bailiffs, talk to the state's attorney, you know, talk to victims' families. And I could do all this while I was half in the bag, if, if not like altogether drunk. Mm-hmm. So basically just flipping it on its head and being like, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, L- love it or leave it, man. Like, this is everything. Like, I'm just going to put all this shit out there. To me, that that was... That, that, that's the biggest prong of, of my program, I would say. And, you know, another thing, too, for, you know, that self-accountability was the fact that I put in so much time writing my memoir. And <laughs> so I don't want to lose all that time and effort, man. I mean, I poured my soul into that thing. So, you know, th- there's the mentality of I don't want that to go to waste. I do want to get back into the smart meetings, though, because I really enjoy them because of that fact that you can literally sit in a room with folks and you can kind of work on tools together and bounce ideas off of each other. You can kind of see people figuring it out in real time, which is super rewarding. Well, hey, I want to make sure that that I don't miss out on on an opportunity to talk about the band stuff a little bit, because I always think about like, like I just found out that the guitarist from the hold steady, I don't think that he like found Jesus or anything. I think he literally had a physical condition that he had to quit drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated by the guy in the band who doesn't can't or won't, whatever the case is. Like, like you said, you're, you're the DD in your band. Oh yeah. And I think about like, I think about when I was in recovery, when I was in treatment or AA and there's so much talk of like, look, you need to strip everybody out of your life who's toxic to you. Oh yeah. Yep. I heard that too. So you, you've heard that, that, that that's necessary and you don't agree. No, I don't agree because here's the thing, man, just because uh, I don't drink doesn't mean the rest of the world doesn't what, you know, it's like what, I mean, okay. I like that. If I, if I walk by, I mean, okay. So let's say that's true. I better stop talking to any relatives who drink and I can't go to a restaurant because they serve alcohol and I should probably not walk down certain streets because I might pass a liquor store, um, you know, and then forget about being a musician because I'm going to have to play shows 
in bars and restaurants and nightclubs, you know, around people that are drinking. So, yeah, I mean, for me, that would have meant, um, you know, quarantine, maybe like uh, the mother of all quarantine. Yeah, quor- <laughs> pretty much. Right. Pretty much. Now, I agree that. OK, so I'll give you an example. When I decided to get sober, there's a, a, a good a good friend of mine. Uh, his name was Colin. And I worked with Colin. Uh, Colin was a, a rock musician. The guy was just like so much fun off the charts like him and I, you know, I mean, we man, we would we would put him on and just like get in trouble, you know, if, 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 if you know what I'm saying, you know, and um, Colin, he drank a ton. I drank a ton and he was, you know, anti-God, anti-programs, anti-all this stuff. And he was like a punk guy, you know? So this was a guy who's like, fuck the world, fuck society, fuck you, party and drink. And I loved him because I was, I was that same way. But when I got sober, we, you know, him and I lost touch. And it's because Colin was not the kind of guy that was like, Hey Max, you know, I'm glad you're getting sober. This is good because you know, you're destroying your life. He was more of a guy that would, would, you know, be like, I don't want to hang out with this guy anymore. He's not, you know, so there, there is a point where, and, and you know what? Uh, unfortunately he ended up dying because oh, he, God. uh, asphyxiated, God. you know? So, and, you know, and I only talk about this because, you know, I mean, he, I mean, he was somebody that I was very close to. He was somebody that I, that I loved and I still love him. And he, this was, I think he died in 2013, I want to say. Um, but you know, we lost touch just because I knew that hanging out with him wasn't going to benefit me. It may even have, I mean, I, you know, we were a lot alike. I might've been like, you know, I fucked all that AA stuff. You're right, dude. I can control this. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just depends, but I mean, no, man, I, I wouldn't, you know, toxic people, you can't control what other people do. Sure. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, obviously, and this is the case with everything. We're talking about like certain thresholds. I mean, let's talk about playing in clubs and playing shows and getting drink tickets, man. I mean, yeah. was there a decision-making process there about, can I, can I pull this off? Am I unnecessarily putting myself in danger? Honestly, when I was riding the relapse roller coaster, yeah. I mean, I was really nervous. I did, I would show up to shows and just sit in the parking lot and smoke cigarettes and then go up on stage and play and then leave right after. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was when I was battling alcohol cravings. I ever, ever since I made the decision to follow the steps of AA, I do not have alcohol cravings. So that has, that has not been a problem at all. That's awesome. In fact, you could, you could slide a barrel of whiskey right in front of me and say, all right, I'm going to see you later. And I won't, in fact, there is a bottle of wine right there on my, on my counter. There's a bottle of wine right there. Why is that there? Because uh, a few weeks ago, I had a, a lady friend fly in from Michigan. She stayed with me and she drinks. And I, I just, it, I don't even notice it. It's been sitting there like that for since the end of March. That is like the greatest advertisement for AA that I've ever seen. That's, that's, that's pretty dope, man. I mean, that's, that's the proof in the pudding. It is. And you know, the, the 11th tradition of Alcoholics Anonymous says, you know, that we, we must remain anonymous in press, radio, and TV films. So I'm always careful. I don't promote meetings. I don't do that because th- th- this program saved my life and I take it very seriously. Sure. However, this is talking about my experience. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not going to be so anonymous that I can't help anybody. So, you know, I, 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 I'm proud of, of, um, 
of it. But on the other hand, you do have to make a decision. You do have to, I, I did have to move my feet. I did have to show up. You know, I do have to get up in the morning and I do have to do the things that I do. Prayer, meditation, spot check, inventories, all the things that I need to do to stay, uh, you know, in the line of the will. I mean, I have to do that kind of stuff. Or I would probably be drinking that bottle of wine yeah. if I did not do those things every day. But that's just my experience. Well, it, it, it's it's super cool where you are and that you can go and play a show. You've got one coming up this weekend, which is just amazing. Yeah. Did there come a point where it kind of became, where it becomes cool to be capable of being the front man of a band and to be sober? You know, I, I mean, yeah, I think so. And I'll tell you what, in the music industry, the greatest, like the guys in my band know that I'm, you know, I'm going to be focused on point, no bullshit. Like I'm the guy, you know what I mean? Like there is no distraction um, and I'm not awkward. I can sit at a table full of people that are partying and drinking. And it's like you, I kind of have like, it's, I, if you ever go to a holiday party and at nine, everybody's sober and you're sober. And then at midnight, they're all fucked up and you're sober. Oh my God. Like you fought You're like, dang, Shirley was talking about all the crazy shit she does in the bedroom with. And then, you know, the next Monday, like you see them and they're, they're like, Oh my gosh, what a fun party. I'm like, yeah, I learned some interesting things. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, dude, what? Like, you're the guy, right? Like, you're like, oh, I, I know some things about you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got all the nuclear codes now, man. You can lord that right? over him. That's great. Well, I mean, hey, there's a there's a reason why Jason Isbell is making like the greatest music of his career right now. Mm-hmm. We romanticize this idea that, you know, we need to drink and do drugs in order to create. And you know what? I, hey, man, I wrote some cool shit when I was fucked mm, up. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to doubt that. Well, we had some massive nights, man. We, we had some great times. No. In fact, when people, when, when I ask, sometimes I'll ask sponsees, like, what's the benefit to drinking? And they're like, there is no benefit. Like, no bullshit. <laughs> there's a, t- there's a huge benefit to it. Are you kidding me? I love to drink. I love it. You know, I still, I love it. I love alcohol. There's always a benefit. You know, the benefit is I don't have to be me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't have to be me anymore. I don't have to feel like this. Yeah. I don't have to deal with stuff that is painful. I don't have to feel emotion. So, you know, I always ask them that, but, but the, 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 unfortunately, you know, the down, the, the downside is, is, is there as well. The allergy. Yeah. For people like you and I, it's like, you know, it's it's life and death so but no man i'm clear-headed and i write dude i write great stuff i've written some great stuff being totally sober and to be honest with you like i wouldn't there you know i don't regret a second of it not even the worst shit because like we were talking the worst the the worst things i've done in my life have turned out to be blessings because when I share them with people like you and you connect and you get it and our energy is in sync and you're like, man, this guy gets it, you know, and I'm like, man, this guy gets it and you can go help people and I can go help you. I mean, that's a blessing. The worst thing in the world I thought would be, ah, oh, I'm an alcoholic. God, that would suck. And then, you know what? It's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And then like, I didn't want to be a God guy. Like, oh my God, not a God guy. I hate God guys. Like you mentioned God, like I'm just going to vomit. You know what? And then I became a God guy now <laughs> in a different aspect, mind you. Right, right. N- not a not a not a traditional God guy, but a spiritual man. That's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, all this crappy stuff that, oh, so that shows me that my initial reaction to things is, is usually wrong. Yeah. I usually think, oh my God, like, dude, I woke up late. I'm, that means I'm going to be too late to work. My boss is going to be mad at me and he's going to fire me. And then I'm going to be a homeless on the streets. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm dead. Like my kids are going to hate me. And then this and then that. And then, you know, so I'm like catastrophizing and projecting this huge mental phantom of the future that I can't even cope with because it's not real and it doesn't exist. And so like, I'll give you a little trick that I do. And this is one that I learned from AA in my dashboard, in my car. I have a sheet of paper that I've taped over the mirror and it says, Max, you're wrong. <laughs> because so when I'm feeling like crap, I'm usually in my car, I'm driving, I'll flip that thing down. And it says, Max, you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, thank God. And you know what's great is that cuts both ways. Yeah. That I'm wrong when I think that I'm the center of the universe, but I'm also wrong when I think I'm the biggest. When I think I'm shit. a piece of shit. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Oh, exactly. I love that. I love that, man. Well, yeah, I am grateful for the arc that we've ridden to get here today so we can do this sort of work and so we can have this sort of a connection. I'm not going to let you go without uh, giving you the chance to pump up everything that's coming down the pike one more time. You've guys, you guys have the show coming up. You're going to be dropping a couple more singles before the album comes out. Lay it all out there for folks. Yes, we uh, we just released a, a song called Company Killer last April. Um, we're releasing uh, two subsequent singles in the next coming months and then an album this fall slated for September. Um, live shows are coming. We're going to be back on tour, hopefully at the end of the year too. So we'll be you know, going north up the coast and then hopefully going east. Um, but, you know, uh, Avenue Army is the name of the band. You can find us on Instagram at Avenue underscore Army, on Facebook at Avenue Army. Um, you know, Google it. Check us out on Spotify. I mean, you know, at this point, I just want people to – listen to our stuff and have, if, if I can get somebody to relate to something and be like, man, you know, this is what I got out of it. It made me feel better. It helped me out of a mood or, you know, it inspired me to do something. Then that like my job's done. So, you know, um, that's, that's what, that's what we want to do. So go check the stuff out and, um, you know, uh, feel free to shoot me a, a DM or a comment on, on what you think. I assume you're going to have some folks taking some video of the show next weekend, right? This upcoming weekend. Yeah, I believe so. So hopefully we'll get some content out there and then we're going to, we have a music video for company killer. That'll be coming out in about three weeks as well. Oh, nice. I know you guys had the lyric video, but you're, you're going to do like the, the whole, uh, the whole shebang. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do. We have a, a cool music video. So yeah, I mean, you know, um, anybody that's interested, you know, just check our stuff out and, and follow us and, you know, we'll, we'll definitely keep cranking out new music and new content. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm just excited to see some video, video of you on stage. I can't fly out there just yet you know too many uh too <laughs> too many obligations here can't hop on a plane but man i can't wait to see clips from uh from the show this upcoming weekend i'm pumped for you guys yeah man well thanks so much and uh dude like i i'd like to reaffirm um what you are doing i i think that this is a what you're doing with this podcast and your recovery and being transparent and open is admirable. And I think it's something that if a lot more people were willing to do it, we wouldn't have stigma around this stuff and other people would be more inspired to do it. So thank you for, um, for getting sober and thank you for doing this podcast. And, um, I, you know, you can take it from here. Anybody that's listening to this, that either has issues with addiction or alcoholism or is sober, you should come on this podcast. 
So um, if there's anything I can do to help you, to serve you in any way, then, you know, we know each other and you know how to get a hold of me. Oh, cheers, brother. I mean, you've got the the vulnerability project is what it's called, right? Yeah, and I I, I gotta I've got to get moving on that uh, to be like life. life <laughs> no, you is... don't. No, you no, you don't. Just pump the brakes, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're telling me that somebody's got to. So when it when the time comes, man, it's it's gonna be a collaboration galore because you know you and I have we ride that same frequency and we both know you know the power of the stuff we're doing. So so cheers, brother. Yeah, cheers to you too, man. And, uh, you know, tell Kayla I said happy Mother's Day. I sure will, man. Take care of your little girl and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, brother. See you later. All right. See ya. Any of you folks take as much comfort in that as I do? This idea that I'm wrong? When I'm thinking I'm the center of the universe and I'm putting all this undue pressure on myself. When I'm already like bracing for things that haven't happened yet because I think I'm so smart that I know how it's going to go. How this person's going to (laughs) react. Anytime we get in our own heads like that, isn't it kind of nice to know that we don't know everything? I love that, man. And I love Max. I'm so incredibly grateful that he came on the show. I love his commitment to AA and I hope that if you or someone you love is struggling to get clean and sober, that what he said, you know, registered with you, you know, get thee to a meeting. It's a great place to start. You know, another great place to start, you know, as I mentioned, my partner, uh, DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois, all you got to do is Google, you know, alcohol assessment or drug assessment. And you're probably going to find, you know, a place nearby. You can call them and figure out what the best, most surefire, safest, proper path is to recovery and to reclaiming your life. All right. So again, I'm eternally grateful to Max for coming on the podcast. I'm eternally grateful to our partners, DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois, as well as Gateway Foundation, where I went to rehab about two years ago. Folks, most of all, I'm so grateful for you and for this community that we have to hang out together. I hope what we're doing here resonates with you. If it does, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. Those reviews go a long way in making sure that our message reaches as many people as possible. Tell all your friends and direct them to 40,000steps.wordpress.com where you can sign up for our free newsletter. Lots of exciting guests coming down the pike. Until we get there, though, just remember this, folks. If it feels like things are falling apart outside of here, outside of this space, in here, we are always coming together. Love you, folks. We'll see you soon. Take care.